0: Welcome to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's student pastor Evan Sastar. Man, it's so good to be in God's house today. Um, I I love uh, that we've gone back to one service because I love seeing all of your faces in here. It just makes me happy. Uh, My name is Evan Sostar. I'm the youth pastor here. Um, It's an absolute honor to be able to pastor your middle and high school students. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to bring the word of God today. Just want to say thank you to Pastor Chris, my dad, for uh, allowing me the opportunity to step into the pulpit And I'm excited to see what God's going to do through his word today. Hey, sometime back in the 70s, there arose a a pastor who started getting a a very large following by the name of Jim Jones. Y'all know where I'm going with this already. Jim Jones, now we do not claim him, had his roots in the Pentecostal movement. We do not claim him because eventually he started moving further and further and further out of Christian orthodoxy until eventually he was just preaching whatever he made up in his own mind that wasn't really Christian at all. But Jim was very charismatic and he started to get a a following that eventually turned into a cult following. And at one point, he was based in San Francisco, and they said that his cult had amassed something like 3,000 people. But as reports of abuse started to pop up and the government started to investigate, he decided that he would move his group to a country in the northern point of South America and that he would establish his own town, his own commune, Jonestown. And so now all of these people have moved out to Jonestown with Jim Jones as their leader, and more and more reports of abuse have popped up. So eventually, a U.S. representative and others went down to Jonestown to check out what was happening. And as they were leaving, Jim directed men to gun him and a few other people down and kill them in cold blood. Knowing that the U.S. government was coming for him, he then ordered a mass suicide to everyone in Jonestown, and they all died, over 900 people, by drinking Kool-Aid laced with cyanide. Who remembers or knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, tragic, horrible, and, and, and insane, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy to think that, that things like this can happen, and usually the question that we ask is this, how? How? Can people be duped into believing someone like this? How can they be tricked into following a cult leader? How could this happen? And today we don't really have time to unpack the how. And if I can prep you, my sermon today is not about cults and cult following. But what we can acknowledge is this, is that good, faithful, rational, Christian people can be led astray. And they can be led astray to the detriment of their own soul. And so we have to ask this question today. If I'm susceptible, if you are susceptible, what do we do? How do we lean on God's power so that we do not fall prey to the lies and deception of the devil and false teachers who want to make their ways into their, to our ears and into our hearts and to pull us away from the gospel. Maybe you've seen good faithful people, a grandmother or a father or a brother or a sister or a child who served the Lord and walked away. And maybe you're, you're thinking today, how do I make sure I don't become them too? Today, I did not come with this sermon to produce anxiety in your heart. I didn't bring this sermon to get you worried that you're going to fall away from the faith tomorrow. In fact, I've come to encourage you. God, in his power and grace, has given you everything you need to persevere in the faith until the very end, if you would just lean on him. And so today, that's why we are looking at Jude. Jude is the second to last book of the Bible. And the reason that Jude is writing is because some false teachers had risen up in the church. And he's writing what's called a Catholic epistle, which means we don't really know who he's writing to. Like we we don't know the specific church, and it's kind of directed towards everybody. And so he's writing to combat against this false teaching. And there is a particular type of false teacher that has risen up in the church. He says that these are people that have risen among their ranks. These are church people who show up in church. He says that they're shepherds, but they only care about themselves. That they don't teach the scriptures, they actually only preach what they see in their own dreams or visions, what they come up in their heart. They live by their own wicked, almost animalistic instincts and desires. They are devoid of the Holy Spirit. That they are arrogant. They reject authority, scriptural and pastoral authority. Do and say what they want. And at the heart of their theology is that you can be a Christian and you can sin however much you want to. It was a promotion of lawlessness and licentiousness and basically do whatever you want. And it was so tricky because it was people within their own ranks who presented themselves as shepherds, but who were pulling people away from the faith. That's why Jude says, look, I'm writing to you about the faith once delivered for all. I want to ground you in the truth so that you do not fall away. And so today, what does that look like for you and I? The fact of the matter is that Satan will sometimes send people into good churches to disrupt them, to lead sheep astray, and to cause sin and division. And so it is possible that someday someone could come to this church and present themselves as knowledgeable. They may be able to quote the Scriptures. They may appear as a shepherd. They may walk with you through some difficult and through some tough times, but their main goal is to reject the Scriptures pastoral authority and to lead you into a life of sin and lawlessness and you need to be ready other ways that we need to be prepared for this is 2022 and so maybe it's someone who has a large ministry on television someone who has a large following on youtube somebody whose podcasts seem really good at the outset but what it is is satan getting a stronghold in your life appearing as an angel of light but to draw you away from the faith He is constantly lying to you and vying for your attention to pull you away from the truth. And so Jude goes on and on. It's it's only one chapter. You should read Jude on the way to lunch today. It would be that quick. He goes on and on, describing what these false teachers are like. And then at the very end of his letter, he gives some very practical advice on how you and I as Christians can be made aware and can keep ourselves from falling into this false teaching. So if everybody, would you just stand today? We're going to read Jude verses 20 through 25. Jude says this, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So Jude's writing, and he wants to keep us safe from false teachers. People who look like Christians, but want to tell us you can be a Christian and live your life in sin. And they reject the scriptures. And so Jude gives us some very practical advice. The first thing that he tells us, and this is really where I want to camp out for a while. He says this, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So how are we going to keep ourselves from false teachers? Build yourself up on your most holy faith. Now, he can be two things here. He can mean build your faith up as in like your personal trust. Like you need to have a tighter grip on the promises of God. Like, you need to, like, really know that you know that you know that you trust the Lord. And I think that's part of it. I really do. I, I, I think that's inseparable, right? But I think that's, that's a consequence of what Jude's really talking about. When he says build yourself up on your most holy faith, he means quite literally the faith we've received. Like truth, like doctrine, theology, what the Bible actually has. You need to build yourself up in the truth. In fact, at the very beginning of his letter, Jude says, I'm writing to you about the faith once delivered for all. And remember, we're combating false teaching. So you need to build yourself up in your faith or build yourself up in the truth of God. But then he hits us something that like, maybe we don't always connect. You're going to build yourself up in the faith of God, but how am I going to build myself up? Does he say open up systematic theology? Does he say, attend Sunday school? Does he say, you know, go deeper? No, no, what does he say? Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Jude has intimately married my growth and belief and doctrine with this most practical and intimate moment of prayer with God. And in fact, he uses this phrase that maybe seems a little bit ambiguous. He says, we want to pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, what does he mean by pray in the Spirit, and how does that actually connect with building up my faith? I believe when Jude says to pray in the Spirit, he means to pray according to the will of the Spirit, to the guidance of the Spirit, to the truth of the Spirit. After all, he is the Spirit of truth, and he is the counselor promised by Jesus to lead us into all truth. In fact, why I really believe this is I think Paul kind of helps us out. When we turn to Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is talking about the armor of God. And he says this Ephesians 6, verse 17 Take the helmet of salvation and watch this, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Next line praying at all times, what? In the Spirit. With all prayer and supplication. So for Paul, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God, and he immediately follows up and pray at all times. What? In the Spirit. With every prayer and supplication. To pray in the Spirit is to pray according to the will and guidance and counsel and revelation of the Spirit, which is most clearly and objectively given to us how? In the Spirit. The word of God. And he's using these false teachers as a foil, right? Because they preach according to their own dreams. We want to pray according to God's word. They live by their own wicked desires. We want to pray according to the desires of the spirit. So now what he has done is he has intimately married, building myself up in knowledge with praying according to the spirit-inspired word of God. And usually we don't really think of those together, do we? Like when we hear build yourself up in the faith, we mean do an hour-long Bible study. Sit in Sunday school. Open up the theology textbook. Get some good podcasts. Information download. And then when we hear prayer, we don't usually think theology. We think this intimate moment with God where I've got worship music in the background. And I'm just saying, you know, Lord, I need you. Help me. You know, bless my children. Bless. I need your help. But we don't usually marry those. But Jude is teaching us this principle that if we are to actually grow in knowledge, it's not enough just to study, we've actually got to pray. The truth about prayer is prayer is rehearsal. It takes what I believe about God and then I rehearse it back to him day after day after day. Ultimately, prayer is my faith put into practice. Because I'm not just in a classroom, but I'm going before God saying, Lord, this is who I believe you are, uh, who, who you are, in light of that I worship you. God, this is who I believe you are, and so in light of that I need your help. You can never separate faith and prayer. And so as I pray, I build myself up in the faith. But how do I need to pray? According to the faith. In fact, the church has always grabbed on to this principle. The church has taken hold of it. And in the 5th century, this church father by the name of St. Prosper of Aquitaine, he, uh, I know it's such a funny name. Anyways, he, um, he, he coined this phrase in Latin. And it goes like this, lex orandi, lex credendi. And it means this, the law of prayer is the law of believing. The law of prayer is the law of believing. And it's got two meanings. The way I pray reveals what I believe about God. Pay attention to how you pray, and you, we'll figure out what you believe about God. But then the reversal is true. How I pray actually begins to influence what I believe about God. It's a cycle. The law of prayer is the law of believing. So I take my faith to my prayer But then I take my prayer and it shapes my faith. And so Jude is telling us, look, if you're going to build up your doctrines, you got to pray according to the will of God. But if you're going to pray according to the will of God, you better come with some doctrine. It's a little cycle right here. And so you and I have to be a people who not only know what we're talking about, but rehearse it and build it up and reinforce it in intentional prayer every single day. Now, I know my illustrations. Typically, I'll tell some goofy story about how I did something really stupid, and I make you laugh, and then I, like, ultra-spiritualize it. Today, can, I just, can I just give you an illustration from what our middle schoolers do every Sunday and maybe like this practical, practical illustration will help you. There's a number of ways that we can be intentional about praying in the spirit. And our middle schoolers, they've practiced it today. They will continue practicing it today. And I believe it's some things that can help us. One of the ways we can pray according to the spirit is quite literally praying the word of God. God's holy word, I mean copy and paste, is good for prayer. Every single Sunday when we get done with service, our students stand up and we pray the Lord's Prayer verbatim together. You can't get any better than praying the Spirit-inspired words of God back to Him. You don't pray the will of God, just pray the Word of God. Jesus quite literally told His disciples, this is how you pray. And it's a naturally designed prayer to keep you from treating God as Santa Claus and instead to pray exactly how God wants you to pray. For praying according to your selfish desires in Him. And so what I encourage you is every single day when you get up in the morning, before you go to bed, pray the Lord's Prayer. Take you 30 seconds. You know what you're doing? You're praying the Word of God. You're actually bringing your faith to your prayer. But as I pray that prayer, with that faith, day after day after day, you know what it does? Is it builds my faith. Because the Lord's Prayer is a 15-second prayer packed full of revelation and theology you can meditate on for a lifetime. I encourage you, pray the Psalms. Did you know that the Psalms were the original prayer book of the church? First of Israel and then the church. The church used to gather and they would actually pray the Psalms together like responsively. Like I'd say one line, you'd say the next. Why? Because it is designed to be the church's song book and prayer book. Open up the Psalms today, pray three or four, and put yourself in the story and just see if those words can apply to you. I guarantee they will because the church has always done it. Second thing, you can pray summaries of the faith. Every single Sunday when our middle schoolers get done, they stand up and they pray this ancient creed called the Apostles' Creed. 1,700-year-old creed. All it is is a summary of the scriptures. A revelation of who God is and what he's done to create and redeem the world. It's as simple as that. And we stand up, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We go on and on and on. Because a 12-year-old, if you said, hey, in 30 seconds or less, give me a summary of the entire Bible, would sound like nonsense, okay? So let me give you the language of the faith. But as your 12-year-old prays the faith every Sunday for the next three years, for the next seven years, what does it do? It actually builds them up in their faith. So they start to understand and comprehend and meditate and get the language ingrained in their soul, and they start to believe the words they're praying. So I encourage you, Google it. The Apostles' Creed, it's on the Internet. Y'all have got smartphones. Pray it every day. It's just a summary of the gospel. That's all it is. Three, we encourage our students to pray according to the language of the scriptures. And you need to get some scriptural verbiage in your soul. It's okay if you bring your own language and your own style to pray. It really is. But, man, it's good when you pray like the Bible prays, when you pray like people in the Bible pray. So every Sunday before the service starts, we get up and we read the Ten Commandments to our middle schoolers. That's what they're hearing every Sunday. And what do we say in response? Lord, have mercy on us and write all these laws in our hearts. That first phrase, Lord, have mercy on us. Sorry, I'm getting choked up. It's just emotional. I love middle schoolers. Just kidding. I mean, I do love them, but I'm not crying about it. Lord, have mercy upon us. That is language all throughout the scriptures. It reminds me of that parable that Jesus told about the tax collector who gets on his knees and he beats his chest. And what does he say? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says that man walked away justified. When I'm confronted with the law of God, which confronts my sin, what do I need to do? Not brush my sin under the rug, but admit it and cry out to God for mercy, trusting he'll justify me. It's the language... But then write all these laws in my heart. If you've spent any time in the Old Testament prophets, God is promising to his people again and again and again and again, When I bring the new covenant, this law that's on this stone tablet will be written in your heart where you will understand my will and desire to do my ways, and my spirit living within you will give you strength to live out God's law. I don't just want to be a forgiven sinner. I want to leave my sins. And what are we doing? We're handing an 11-year-old the language of the scriptures to be able to come to God and say, Lord, I don't know how to pray as I ought to, but in the face of my sin, God, have mercy and write these laws on my hearts. And it gets ingrained in your soul. When I bring my faith to prayer and then I pray my faith, it reinforces and builds it up and opens it up in my spirit. So one of the ways that I do this every day, I use this little resource called the Book of Common Prayer. The Anglicans put it together like 500 years ago at the Reformation. I know that, that, that may sound foreign to you or a little strange. It's been said that the Book of Common Prayer is nothing more than the Scripture set to prayer. Like literally most of what I pray every morning, whether it's in the morning or the evening, every day, is Scripture. I spend most of the time in the Psalms. Then it comes with its own Bible reading plan. And then every time you get done reading a chapter of the Bible, it tells you to pray in response. And you know what that prayer is? A copy and paste verse from the Bible. So when I get done reading scripture, I got to pray scripture in response to the scripture I just read. And then it has these prayers called collects in which it collects a thought together. So for instance, this week I've been praying the collect of the good shepherd. Y'all remember the good shepherd story in John's gospel? What it does is it takes this entire chapter-long, deep, rich teaching, and it summarizes it in a 15-second prayer. And I've been getting that in my spirit every day this week. Lord, you are the good shepherd. As your sheep, help me to hear your voice and follow in your way. Do you see what I'm saying today? We need to pray the faith. He says as we pray, pray this faith it actually builds us up in the faith so that when false teachers come we've got something built up within ourselves where we can say stop no not having it not today but then ultimately this isn't the end he goes on and and he tells us that look we need to pray in the spirit to build ourselves up in the faith but then what's the natural consequence keep yourselves in the love of God If I'm praying the love of God every day and meditating on the love of God every day and I'm getting the gospel in my spirit every day, you better know I'm remaining in the love of God. In fact, John says if I believe the word of the love of God, then the God who is love dwells in me. So I remain in the word, not just believing the word, but God himself dwells in me. I remain in his love. And now I'm not only grounded in the truth, but I've got this personal witness and grounding and experience and the God of the universe who loves me so much, he died for me. And I begin to reciprocate that love to the world. But then what does it ultimately lead to? He says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. It builds hope that the faithful God that I've been praying to and the loving God that I've been praying to will reveal his faithful love in the end of times when Christ comes back for me. So now that I'm built up, when a false teacher comes my way, I go, "Uh uh-uh, not leaving this. I'm too busy waiting on Jesus who's promised me he's coming back, who's told me that he's loved me, that I've been built up in this faith day after day after day. I'm not leaving. And in fact, if you pay attention to it, Jude is really just building us up In Paul's three chief virtues, faith, hope, and love. Build yourselves up in your faith. Remain in the love of God so I can have the expectation or the hope of the return of Jesus. It's as simple as that. Lord, build me up in faith, hope, and love. And ultimately, this is not a work you're doing. This is not something you're sweating about. This is not roll up my sleeves every day and hope I can be good enough to build myself up in the faith. Ultimately, this is a work of God's grace. That's why at the very end, he says this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. I'm not telling you to be good enough. I'm telling you where to go to get hold of God who is good enough to keep you in the faith. Prayer is not a good work you're doing. It's a divine means of grace. So I want to go where God's promised to be, and it's his strength, and it's his power, and it's his grace who will keep me in the faith, build me in faith, hope, and love to the very, very end. But then finally, Jude acknowledges something. The fact of the matter is, is God has given us sufficient grace to stay free from error and remain in his faith. But God's grace is always resistible. And some people will be in in the presence of his grace, but they will want nothing to do with it. Some people will ignore the means of grace. All they got to do is pray and open up the word and, and they kind of put it to the side. And it is possible for Christians to be caught up in error and to walk away from the faith. Jude's asking, "What then? What is the responsibility of the church when a fellow believer steps into error? Do we just kind of say, "See you? Goodbye. Whatever. It's fine. Go on and leave the church. What, what do we do? Jude tells us them that tells us this. He says, "And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire." To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. What do we do in the face of brothers and sisters who are walking away from the truth? He gives us three categories that get worse and worse and worse each time. What about the person who stumbles? It's kind of vague language. The way I take it is it's someone who hasn't left the faith yet, but that person's getting in their ear. That teaching's kind of getting in their ear. That, 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 that YouTube preacher's kind of making some headway, and they're just asking questions. But what if this is true? What if I can be a Christian and live in this sin? What if the church has got it wrong here? What if, what if, what if? What is your responsibility? Have mercy on which means you don't get to turn the blind eye and walk away and say they're in God's hands now. Jude says it's time for you to step up. And so what do you do in that scenario? You sit down and with patience and love and mercy lay before them the truth and say, brother, sister, I understand where you're getting this from, but that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the scripture teaches. Your soul's kind of in danger. Are you sure you've really thought this through? What if we go talk to a pastor about it? I just don't think this is it. And you have mercy on them and you save them from wavering and bring them back to the truth. But then the second category says, save others by snatching them from the fire. And This isn't somebody who, they're not dead yet. They're not gone yet. They haven't left yet, but they are about to be. They're five minutes away from getting burned up. You snatch them from the fire. The tinge of their garment, right? It's, a, it's burning just a little bit. They're smelling like smoke. This is somebody who has almost left. They're starting to talk crazy a little bit. They're getting a little radical. Something in your spirit, namely the Holy Spirit, is giving you discernment like, this isn't it right here. Snatch them from the fire. Have mercy on them. Say, look, brother. Look, sister. This is wrong. Let's go talk to a pastor. Call a pastor. If they don't go to this church, I need some wisdom. i got to sit down with this person soon. I, I don't know what to do. Can you equip me? Look, you need to think long and hard about this. This is where you get down on your knees and start interceding for them. God save them from this. It's your responsibility. But third, he gives us this last category, and it's, it's terrifying. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. This is someone who is a faithful brother and sister, a faithful Christian, Who has let somebody get in their ear and in their spirit and has crossed the line. And he says, Have mercy on them, but with fear. You hate even the garment stained by their flesh. AKA, you see it for what it is. They have crossed the line. This is not a misunderstanding. We're not talking about a difference in Christian opinion. We're talking what you believe has put you outside of the faith, and this is sin. You are living no longer in the spirit, but in the flesh. And I got to be careful, because that sin can stain your garment. It can stain my soul, too. I got to step back a little bit. Kind of reminds me, uh, me and Elizabeth were blessed to go a long time without getting COVID, but then eventually we did. And she was the first one to get it first. And, you know, some people, they were smart about it. And they are like, all right, you're going to stay in this room, and you're not going to come out. And I was like, you know what, let's just go for it. I don't know. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, our house is not that big. I'm not going to lock you up in a room. Like, all right, we're just going to live life. I'm going to tend to you. I'm going to take care of you. It's going to be great. And so what do you know? I know she has a disease. (laughs) I know she's sick. I sleep in the same bed and live around her. Four days later, I'm so cold, I can't even warm up outside in the sun. Two days later, I test positive. Why? I knew she was sick. I knew she was. But I remained around her, and it got on me. She was like, hey, when somebody crosses that line, have mercy on them, but do it with fear. Because that will corrupt your soul, too. If it can get them, it can get you. You need a spiritual guard up. I'm sure a lot of y'all had family members that got sick with COVID. Did you love them? Yeah. Did you have mercy on them? I'm sure you probably brought them groceries and food. Did you stay six feet away with a mask on and gloves and everything else? You betcha. I love you. I offer help to you, but I'm not getting what you got. That's dangerous. When we approach a brother or sister who's gone into error in our spirit, it better be the same way. I love you. I care for you. I have mercy on you. I'll present the truth to you. But I'm calling it for what it is. This is sin, a disease that will infect my soul. And what you believe will make no headway in my life. Because what it's done to you, it can do to me. So I'm going to say something that if you just want me to be honest, I'm kind of scared to say. But I believe it's the truth. I'm going to give you some scenarios that I'm not picking on certain sins. I'm saying things because they're real life. When a son or daughter comes to you and says, I've been reading some articles and some books, listening to some podcasts, looking into the work of some scholars, I believe that you can be a Christian and a practicing homosexual, and that's what I am. I need you to listen to me. You better love them. You better have mercy on them. You better give the gospel to them. But don't you dare move an inch of your theology. Hate the garment defiled by the flesh. Call it for what it is. Not a difference of opinion. Not an alternative outlook. It is sin. And there's a day coming where you will not answer to your child or your family member. You'll answer to God. If somebody comes, and this is real teaching, somebody you care about, hey, I've been listening to this pastor on YouTube or on TV, and they said as long as I've prayed a prayer one time, God will never let me go. And I can live my life in sin and do whatever I want, and I'm secure in the palm of his hand. There are people who believe that. You better better love them. Have mercy on them. But don't allow that into your life. Put your spiritual mask and gloves on and say, brother, sister, family member, whoever you are, I love you, but that's not right and I don't really want to hear it. It may be someone you deeply care about. It may be somebody who you used to call for biblical advice. It may be somebody who walked you through some of the toughest times in your life, held your hand through that divorce, walked you through the medical issue, seemed so faithful to God, but the moment they cross that line, there are no excuses for them, and there's no excuses for you. You build yourself up in the truth. And you extend God's healing mercy to them every single day while hating the sin that's corrupted their soul. So church, would you stand today? I know that is a sobering last point. I'm going to invite everybody in the room, um, just step down to the front for a time of prayer. Come on, everybody in the room, go ahead and step down. If the band wants to to come out and, and begin to play behind us. And I just want to give you two prayer points today. One in response to the word of God, pray in the spirit today. Pray according to the will and word of God. Maybe and say, Lord, hey, have I been praying in my flesh or in the spirit? Because if I have, Lord, change me. Or convict me where I've been selfish and help me to pray according to your will and your way and your truth. God, build me up in the truth and in the faith. I want to know you. And second thing, If you've got somebody in this room that used to serve Jesus, but you know they've walked away. You know they've bought into a lie. You know Satan has gotten into their soul, I want you to take time to intercede for them. Pray for them. Go after God for them. Say, Holy Spirit, hound of heaven, knock on the door of their hearts. So they are yours. So if you would, go ahead. Go to God in prayer. Lord, build me up in faith. Pray in the spirit and begin interceding for those who need him. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.